Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Welcome to the Nerd Party. They can travel anywhere in time and space. Right. This is gonna be fun. Up we go into time and space! Welcome to Time and Space, the Nerd Party's dedicated Doctor Who podcast. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her husband and co-host, Philip Gilfus. So what have we done this week that's Who-related, darling? I'm trying to think. We did... Well, I guess we can go back a little bit. We did talk about going to the con, mm. um, but I don't think we talked about the things we bought. We bought a bunch of Doctor Who books. That's true. Yes, we absolutely <clears> did. <throat> I was just trying to think if we did talk about it, and I can't remember. That was our that was our big Who purchase, although I did eyeball a Doctor Who purse that I really, really wanted. That's true. Which, I mean, what was it? It was a TARDIS kind of purse, basically. Yes, yeah, it was a TARDIS purse. <clears throat> and I had seen, when we went to see the um, first episode of the 13th Doctor in the cinema, there was a lady who had one, and I was oh, eyeballing true. it then, too. And I should have just taken that one. It would have been cheaper. <laughs> Um, Stealing it, you mean? Yes, okay. yes, that's what I was thinking. Oh, right. I, I, I ran into her in the loos, and so I totally could have knocked her over. That's right. Mm, but, I, yeah. I don't, seeing her and seeing you, I don't think you could have knocked her over. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm scrappy. Right. Is this something that, uh, that <clears throat> you're trying to subtly put on your holiday Christmas list? Maybe, yeah. Passive-aggressively. I'm not passively-aggressive. If you don't buy this for me, I'm going to steal it off some strange lady. That's, that's that, what I mean. That is what, that's what I'm telling well, do you. Do we want to talk about what you actually bought that was on your holiday list that no one ever passively-aggressively bought? Oh, this aggressively is very you? exciting. Yeah. Yes, it was on my holiday list last year and nobody bought it for me. It is a beer hoodie and it has... Well, it's, it's, it's not something made of beer. No, it's not. <laughs> like, that would be cool. No, this is, it's like, you know, drink local beer or something written on the front of it. But it has regular pockets. And then in between the pockets, it has a koozie. Right. Now, but, is that a American term or is it, would that translate? I, no, I, I don't know. How, that do, it's a how thing do people that, keep their beer cold across the pond? They don't. Oh, no. Oh. That, that's not, a, that's oh. not nearly as an important thing, oh. although I think it's more so. But yeah, so it's got a beer koozie to keep my beer cold. And it's got a bottle opener attached to the hoodie. Right. So, uh, Which you failed to use on many occasions. I do. I forget it's and there. And getting a bottle opener. Yeah. I was like, that's why you bought it. <laughs> Whatevs. Yeah. Um, but we digress. Yeah, yeah. So we bought a bunch of Doctor Who books. Mm-hmm. You did get one for me for my birthday, which is over there. I haven't cracked open quite yet. History yes. of Mankind Doctor yeah, Who book. Yeah, that just looked fun. Um, I was, did read my latest issue of Doctor Who <clears throat> uh, monthly. Um, interesting stuff. Nothing immediately jumps out. Uh, Although well, no. it did make you go back and watch the Billy Piper video. No, well, I was about to say that was one feature we I did subject you to where the time team, all the, or subjected you to sort of Doctor Who music throughout the years. And I looked at all of them up and you oh, made yeah, you listen to them all. Yeah. So, I didn't realize Billy Piper was part of that. Well, Bless her heart. You know, when we got to the modern era, there's not as much uh, 
silly Doctor Who songs. So, but yeah, it was interesting, both in a good and bad way to listen to them. So, spoken word, uh, John Pertwee. Um, oh, well, there you and go. And other things. So, yeah. so, that brings us to this week. Yes, yes, very exciting. We are now, of course, into episode four of the 13th Doctor. And now um, we will be talking about Arachnids in the UK, which uh, premiered <laughs> in October 28. 2018. Do you want to give us a synopsis, which I actually had to hunt for, because uh, TARDIS.wiki, you did not have this episode up ah. yet, at least not in Google. So the synopsis is, The Doctor, Yaz, Graham, and Ryan find their way back to Yorkshire and Yaz's family, only to find something is stirring amidst the eight-legged arachnid population of Sheffield. And here for our special guest of the week is Lindsay. Lindsay, welcome back. You're our first recurring or reappearing guest here on yes, Time and Space. Yeah. Oh, I feel very honored. That's yeah. Right. That's why we made you wake up. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and talk to us in the middle of the night. You know what? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> No promises and incoherence, but I'll try. <laughs> Perfectly reasonable. Now, last time we had you on, we, of course, were talking Chris Chibnall's Broadchurch. And just generally speaking, before we get into this episode, what have you been thinking about the 13th Doctor's run and Chris Chibnall's role as showrunner here now of Doctor Who? Um, I think it's been a fantastic start. I think there's been a lot of pressure on them. Um, and I think they've done really, really well. And um, We've had an amazing opener. Um, we've had a remark like last week was just phenomenal not yes, perfect yeah. but phenomenal and actually the other two episodes have been pretty good too so mm. yeah yeah i don't think there's any one that i would skip i mean I, well i mean of course i don't I would never skip any doctor <laughs> but, say, but what, what are you talking but about nothing i would not look forward to like yeah the opener probably is my weakest so far just me personally speaking but you know i'm not gonna skip the first doctor's episode you yeah. know or a doctor's first episode i think it has been good too so just going right into it here. Let's talk about Yaz's family. Yeah, so we, we know. This is the first time we've talked about the fact that we're not seeing a whole lot. Yeah, and I think. So far, and this well, one we got. Yeah, and a lot of people have been saying, we don't see enough Yaz, we don't see enough Yaz. And so, uh, Lindsay, what has been your thoughts of Yaz so far, and how'd you like this peek into uh, tea at Yaz's? Yeah, no, I thought it was really lovely. I think last week we saw her kind of stepping up and taking ownership and uh, behaving like a policeman even if she was in Mm. in in 1950s america Um, and that was really nice to see this week absolutely we saw a bit more of her character a bit more of her family relationships um, and obviously that grounds her a bit as much as anything i think one thing i was i mean i I, you know of course (coughs) instantly go to the negative all right you you know that's not good to do but anything i think there were a lot of good things with yes one thing i was a little disappointed at no point in this episode did she say and by the way i'm a police for or PC. Yeah. I mean, like, to, we're talking to Mr. Big. To Mr. Big, yeah. You know, he was like, at some point I thought she was like, hey, I'm a, you know, I'm the police. You can't throw get, me out. Get this gun out of my <laughs> face. Exactly. But, so I was like, did they forget this episode? <laughs> uh, yes. I have to say, this is, while it was no by no means a bad episode, it was probably my least favorite of them so far. Um, and I kind of felt a little bit like there were some things that had been left on the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that might have been one of them. Yeah, and and I tend to agree, and more probably when we're talking about Mr. Big, which is not his name in this show, but uh, it's Mr. Big. I, I assume that that's the way everybody knows him. Is he the bad husband? I don't know. What do you compared know? to the good wife? Oh, oh yeah, good ting. point. Yeah, look at there. <laughs> Quick, 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 quick. I mean, I've never even watched it. You, uh, did. No, you watched yeah, it. Yeah, I did. You, yeah. And that completely bypassed me. Sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I felt like there were things that 
there were quest- a lot of questions left unanswered. One thing that I thought was interesting, of course, I say we, y- y'all, but you ladies may know this, but just good to remember for the fandom is that, of course, all these episodes, I mean, the entire series has been in the can for months at this point. Mm. You know, it's done. But it's, it's interesting to watch it as if it's responding to the fandom, which, of course, it's not. It's already done. But, for instance, I thought that the two comments of um, Yaz's mom, you know, first I forget, first going to Ryan and Yaz, like, Yaz are like, so, you know, what are you two dating or whatever? And they're like, no. And then going to um, you and the doctor or something. Yeah. Of course, the doctor's response is, I don't know, are we? <laughs> and what was actually but, fascinating for me was that it was the other way around. She, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, she yeah, asked yeah, the she... doctor first. <laughs> yes. And I know there's and, been some little murmurs now around the internet about what we do or don't know about Yaz. So. Yeah. Well, and I thought, oh, is this? But then she went to Ryan as well, so I was like, oh, okay, so it's, uh, equal opportunity, fantastic. But I, you know, just having the the romantic because I don't we well I will I won't put you in it with me. I mean, I know you said it, but me, I'm I don't know. I'm not really looking for a romantic angle with these companions, and that's just me. I mean, there's nothing wrong with romance, but I'm just not looking for it with this group. I really hope Yaz and Ryan are just friends. I mean, they can be flirtatious. That's happened with other companions, but I really don't want to see them together. And so I thought maybe, and this is just me, you know, me being wish fulfillment, and I'm probably wrong. Chris going like, I'm just establishing no one's getting together. You know, that's why I'm calling it out now. I'm opening with that. Of course, it could just be the reverse where he's just setting it up. So I don't know. But but what about you, darling? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think that if they do end up together and I'm sort of with you, I'm not looking for it. Um, I'm not violently opposed to it. If they do, I feel like that should be at the very, very end of their time with the doctor. And they're like, oh, we've just realized that we quite fancy each other and we want time away from the TARDIS to figure out mm-hmm. what that is. And mm-hmm. so we're off. Though I did see someone, of course, I mean, you can find anything on Twitter, I know. But someone like, oh, you know, I don't like, um, com- you know, a doctor with fancying a companion. And I'm like, I don't, I mean, hard and fast. I don't know if, I, I mean, because not that I'm a fan of Rose by any means, but like the Dr. Rose doesn't not work. I mean, like, that's mm. fine. Yeah. I mean, I get, like, that they don't like a, per- you know, because they were saying, oh, the doctor's supposed to be the professor and the mentor. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know. The bigger you know. danger for me is that you've got a very different kind of um, age relationship, I suppose. And the age yeah. difference and the stage of life difference is so, so vast. And while that doesn't mean you can't enjoy each other's company, this is a family show and having relationships that are perhaps not as deep and a little bit more kind of surface and physical doesn't really ring true. Mm-hmm. Yes. But I mean, that's like every vampire romance. You know, they're always a thousand years old yeah. and she's always like 17. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that doesn't make it right, though. <laughs> no, no, you are absolutely right. It does not. That's right. That's why Spike is terrible. All right. Um, and he but is. Angel's not? <laughs> yeah, well, Angel is completely different. Um, oh, no, they're both okay. awful. <laughs> yes, thank you. Yeah, and we don't have to drill in necessarily into it, but with the Yaz's family now. We've had this dynamic before, you know, of getting the companion's family, whether it's Rose's mom, whether it's Martha's mom and and, and uh, dad and and I think her sister um, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, is this a family we want to return to or is this just a good one spot? Yes, has a family. She has a little bit of depth, but we don't need to see them again. I think we will. Um, I think mm-hmm. the fact that we've left it with an open question with our mom means that we will. Mm-hmm. Um 
and the Martha's was... mom's vibe. <laughs> um, and there's there were some really lovely touches. I really loved the Yaz's mom, the return to the fact that yes. she's being described as Yaz's mom. It felt very doctor. Not necessarily in one of the doctor's better attributes, but it's the kind of thing that any doctor would say. Like, they would always refer to somebody as, you know. Um, and she also um, made a point of point of telling Yaz's mum that she'd made an awesome human being. Uh, <laughs> yes. was, like, oh, by the way, you made a very awesome person. Uh, but you're gotcha. still Yaz's mum. Um, and that was lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really liked that. And they hit the perfect three with that, with her responding, Nadia. Yeah. And, uh, and I did like, you know, the instant characterization. You know, dad's a little kooky, sister's a little annoying. Dad appears to be collecting trash, but then it turns out that that's part of it, so. But mm. they never really explain it. No, they really don't. I, but I we'll come gonna, back yeah. to that later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I thought the, the role of the mom, I think, was a good... She made sort of a good companion, like which I know sounds silly because we already have companions, but she was sort of the companion's companion of asking all the questions of, you know, because I guess by episode four we're all grizzled veterans now with this group, <laughs> and so we need someone to be asking all the questions. Um, so interestingly, the actress who played her, Shovna Gulati, I think it is, mm-hmm. um, I don't, you probably, probably wouldn't have come across her, but she's a relatively familiar face here. Um, so she did quite a long stint on one of our soap operas, um, but she also featured in a Victoria Wood sitcom called Dinner Ladies, so her comedy chops are also really strong. Um, ah. And for me, the timing um, in a lot of that Nadja chat was it just it was very reminiscent of that. So it's good. She seemed vaguely familiar, but that didn't mean anything. Jessica thought she knew her, so we had to wiki yeah, her. Yeah, I was like, she's so familiar. And I didn't watch, what was she on, Corey? Yeah. Um, I didn't watch either Corey nor EastEnders, and, but, you know, it's one of those things a little bit like uh, Bradley Walsh, who, you know, that sort of, I, I know that face, I've seen it all over the place, I'm not 100% sure in what, though, you know. Um, so I, I totally was very familiar with her, but didn't, haven't actually seen stuff she's been in. Well, I would strongly <laughs> recommend Dinner Ladies if you're looking for something to uh, chill out with. Okay. Awesome. Excellent. I've just made him start watching Little Britain, so uh, we're oh. working our way through. <laughs> yes, that's all I will say to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Brad Graham, you know, it, it's interesting to me, at least, that we have these. It reminds me of like the second episode of the Amazing Race in Space, um, which is obviously what we called our podcast episode about it. But that, you know, when when uh, Graham was asking Ryan, like, oh, you know, you want to talk about grace? It, it seemed kind of like, well, isn't this an awkward time? But then, like, in this episode where it's, you know, spider fever, it's like, I don't know, it makes sense. Like, even when they're in the midst of the spider stuff and Ryan's reading the dad's letter, which you think, like, is this the opportune time to really do this? But <laughs> you're like, I don't know. He's the real person. You do these things whenever, but... But would you all, Jessica, would you sort of think of the episode dealing with Graham going into the house and seeing Grace? So sad. So sad. And I found it interesting because I I guess I hadn't really thought about it. But, of course, they haven't had the proper grieving time because they've been off on these adventures. And so this is the first time, really, he's been home without her and sad. And I'm glad she was there. Yeah. Is this now, Lindsay, is this what we were fooled into thinking was a reoccurring role for Grace? I suspect it probably is. We could be wrong. She may appear again later on, but I, yeah. 
Um, I think so. It's Bradley Walsh is absolutely knocking it out of the park, I think. Isn't um, he? Which is awful to say for, you know, the old white man. Um, <laughs> but he really is. Um, I think he's portraying it beautifully. I think it was a lovely touch. It's not perhaps the most novel way of somebody experiencing grief and loss. Mm. It, right. There were overtures of Sherlock. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. But... It was beautifully, beautifully done. When it comes to the end of the episode, I have one or two little concerns. If this was, if this was Graham, you know, taking off to Australia to do an adventure holiday, I suspect his friends would all be shaking their heads and going, oh, oh, running away. Oh. Um, yes, yeah. And I have some concerns about the fact that we're seeing Graham processing this, but we're not really seeing Ryan. Yeah. His- Which means, I, I hope that it's still coming hopefully and i hope this isn't the end of it i hope this isn't them going well we're gonna run away now and we're gonna have some fun because that's what we want to do and do not think about her again yeah that would be pretty bad yeah but i love the gray stuff and i love where ryan and graham got to in this episode i felt that was a really lovely balance of progress and ryan suddenly going no it's not okay for my dad to say this wasn't a true fact like this wasn't his real family Yes. But we didn't get we didn't get a granddad. We didn't get... I know. I thought he was that <laughs> no, close. Like no. he was on the cliff. He was looking down, and I almost no, thought. And he's there like, "There was no you way." Know, yeah, yeah. I I knew we weren't going to get it. I did wonder if we were going to get. You know, I want to stay here, or I want to stay with you. I wondered if we'd get something along those lines. Yeah. Um, I also have to say, this episode rather confused me, because I wasn't... I'd obviously misinterpreted something in the first episode about uh, Graham and Grace getting on the train. I figured they were getting on the train to go home, and they lived somewhere else. But it kind of feels like Ryan now lives with them, and it's all about... But that's maybe just me having... Not they just like on. to do the bicycle thing in just a faraway field. I guess. But why yeah. would men go all go home together? Anyway, never well, mind. I, yeah, no, I, I didn't understand that either. Well, he had to go and, get the bicycle as punishment. Yeah, and they were, but they were just going to leave him. And they're like, okay, we're going to go catch the train. You get your bicycle. But he brought out of the bike train. on the train, I guess. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. Um, yeah, you can do that. Yeah, and that was the last the train. They said so. Yeah. Anyway, never mind. <laughs> yeah, but then they just left him. And fortunately, Yaz was able to catch up with them in her. Catch you up. Police car, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, if it was it watching, uh, just to to uh, diverge for a second, watching it on BBC America for the first episode, which was awful for many <laughs> reasons, they cut off about like a couple seconds, and so it's basically like, you know, the bicycle, and he throws it, and they yell at him, and we didn't get the line of like, oh, we're gonna take the train. Why don't you look for the bicycle? It was something like they're on a train, and he's looking for the bicycle. We're like, what the <laughs> hell? Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, they do interesting advert breaks on BBC America. Which means awful. Well, we don't have any advert breaks at all, so we're privileged. Right. A privilege we pay for. But But it, it, yes, that's true. But it means that for us, the breaks, because the breaks aren't built into the episode, they come in really strange places sometimes. Also, they do this weird thing. (coughs) I think it's just BBC America that does it. I wonder if any other channel has done it. I'm trying to think because we don't. There's not a lot of TV we we watch live, and so we fast forward a lot. But they'll do the thing where, because it's such a long commercial break, they'll do a thing where you think the episode has started, but it's really a teaser of what's oh, going to no. happen. 
And you're like, what the? Because yeah. for one thing, I mean, you're, I mean, I know Jessica doesn't care about this stuff as much as I do. I like to be clean going into the. I don't need. I don't. You're basically spoiling me for thirty seconds. Like, just I don't. I don't want to be. Te- I'm watching the episode. You don't have to just tell me what's coming. And so then when that line comes, like, no, I just heard it five minutes ago. It's not a. So I have to say my pet peeve is that we often get ads a different place to where they're clearly supposed to be. So obviously Mm. the BBC don't do ads, but our other channels do. And you'll see like a scene break, which was obviously designed for an ad. But that's not where they've put the ads. (laughs) You're not telling me what to do. And then like two minutes later, we'll get an ad. It just makes no sense. (laughs) Right in the middle of a conversation. And just because we're going to go away from the companions for a moment, let's kind of skip to the end. And talk about we've you know referenced a little bit everyone's decision to join the TARDIS mm. Team TARDIS. Um, Thanks, we love yeah. we love the phrase Team TARDIS. Hashtag, <laughs> Hashtag Team TARDIS. So you know, as we said for Graham, part of the morning process. We just actually had a interesting series at, at our church when talking about grief and mourning and all that. So it's interesting to look at Graham mm. and what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I mean, this is I feel like it's so obvious. I don't even need to say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, because I think with him. He's living on borrowed time, as he said in the first episode, and he's missing Grace. But, I mean, you know, the Doctor is basically Grace in a non-romantic way, of course, for him. And Ryan, of course. But, you know, like, would he have gone with the Doctor if Ryan hadn't? Because it seemed like Graham was sort of the first one to sign on. Yeah, I think that if Ryan had said he didn't want to go, Graham might have rethought. But... Yeah, I don't know. Because I definitely felt, and again, you, you watched this more times than I did, Lindsay. It seemed like Graham was just like, you know what, this is it. This is what I'm doing. And if it's only me, I mean, he didn't say this, but like it seemed like this is my decision. Um, this is what I'm doing. So it, I don't know. So Graham has been quite alone for quite a lot of the episode as mm. he actively removes himself. Mm. And even, like I think at one stage Ryan says, do you want me to? And he says, yeah. no, 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 you're fine. Um and I think that's maybe a reaction to, like, Ryan has been pushing him away. Um, and maybe he's got to a stage where he's understanding that no matter how much he wants to reach out to Ryan for comfort, that that's maybe not what Ryan wants or needs. Mm-hmm. And therefore, he's almost made that decision independently. And that doesn't mean he wouldn't be happy and relieved that Ryan has also decided he wants to come along. Mm. But that was that was a decision that he had to make, possibly almost as a, a an independent act. Yeah. yeah, and had to make it first, because if Ryan had made it first... It'd be like, I'm just coming along. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, yeah. and I think, like like we've said, they're, they're both grieving in very different ways. And I think the difference between Graham making the choice to go on the TARDIS and... You know, as you said earlier, Lindsay, going, go, going on a trip to Australia, is that he's really clear about it. You know, that he's going to grieve. He would rather not do it in an empty flat. And I think that's absolutely understandable. And grief is not the same for everyone. And the right way to manage it is not the same for everyone. Mm. I do wonder whether we'll maybe see what happens if he comes back and people expect him to be... So particularly with obviously the time travel element, you know, they could go away for years and he could come back and it'd be a week later. Yes. And how difficult that would be for everybody around him yeah that that would be an interesting thing to explore now the doctor does warn them though 
This is the first time. Well, I say that. As soon as I say that, I'm gonna have to like think of 53 years of Doctor Who. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, and someone said this on Twitter, so this isn't my thought being original jogging. Like, this is the first time where Doctor has sort of like had them all sign a waiver <laughs> before you get into the TARDIS. Yeah. You know. Well, but I think that's partly a reaction to Grace as well, mm-hmm. because they've already seen, and she's already seen. That it's not safe, mm-hmm. you know, knowing it abstractly and, and seeing it happen, two different things, I guess. I have to say, one of, one of my slight bugbears was the fact that there was no re- reference to the fact that they have already been changed. Mm-hmm. As in, particularly on the back of last week, they are not the same people who got on the TARDIS or who were caught up in all of this adventure the first time. Yes, Big difference between Rosa Parks and Monster with teeth in his face. Mm. <laughs> Too fair. Yeah, because, I mean, it did for me, and maybe this is what everyone, you know, wasn't unique, but when the doctor was sort of making, like, you know, think about this, I forget how she phrased it, but anyway, it did make you think of all the other companions, you know, what, what you know, Rosa's choice, Amy's choice, Donna's choice, you know, all, all of them, even all back to classic era, you know, if, if the, the doctors at that time had been, you know, given them a second, you know, and then we sort of think of, did all the companions turn out well? Would they have been better if they hadn't gone? You know, blah, 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 blah. But it did sort of give me that sort of moment to think back to all the other companions when she sort of made everyone think for a second because you then sort of think of all the bad things. Yeah. yeah. But often it's the other way around. Often the Doctor's going, oh, come on, you know you really want to. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly if you go back to, you know, Rose the first time round when he's like, are you sure? Did I tell you it does time as well as space? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and, you know, or doesn't give them the option at all, yeah. you know, thinking about Barbara and Ian and, right, we're off. <laughs> <laughs> That'll show you. <laughs> and then what about, so, and let's just do this real quick. So Ryan, or I think Yaz is maybe the second person, I think, who sort of said, yes, let's do it. What, what do you think Yaz is, her, her uh, motivation, Mr. Director? What do you think, you know, she said, you know, I love my family, but nah, not that much, apparently. You know. yeah. <laughs> what do you think her well gesture? i think she's living at home isn't she yeah. she's she's living at home with her parents and her sister and you know she's got this job that is offering her independence but even that we saw in the first episode you know she's still very new and not given the responsibility that she knows that she wants and this is her opportunity for responsibility and independence all rolled up in a little blue police box. Mm-hmm. There was a, a lovely little moment where the Doctor and Yaz were the ones who went after the spider who had destroyed the bathtub. Mm-hmm. And again, it was just another little example of her going, there is more and I'm happy to step up and take it. Yes. Yeah, I mean, she's, I, I don't know, I sort of, <clears throat> I don't mean this in a derogatory way, I always... And by the first or second episode, I sort of was thinking of her as, you know, junior doctor or, you know, assistant to the doctor, you know. Yes. She's the, the one most likely to be, the, you know, to, to take over for the 13th doctor should the need to rise, you know, or, or she's the number one, basically, you know. So, yeah. It's a nice flip on what we normally see, as in there's usually somebody who is, you know, a bit more physically secure, a bit more confident in those kind of confrontations. Mm-hmm. And it's not usually a young Asian girl. yes or a female companion of the doctors (laughs) yeah and then so and then ryan of course was sort of the yeah why not you know um and and i think for him and this isn't again original him being younger younger 
um, and, and and having to go through you know the dad's letter in this particular episode. But what's his identity? You know, where does he literally and figuratively belong? And I would I would even go so far as to say he's probably out of the three of them the one who's running away. Right. Yes, it feels a little bit like he hasn't processed Grace's death really, mm. um, and whether that's just he's a young man and we'll never see it. Or whether we're going to get something later on that's perhaps a bit a bit more in-depth with his grief. Yeah, and then follow that with his dad's letter, which is discombobulating at best for him. You know, didn't show up to the funeral and is now saying, hey, come live with me, and... There's but that almost seemed to be on. like a, a yeah a good test for him though for him to be able to be like actually you know what my dad's saying that this isn't a proper family and that's not how I feel because he's been pushing against Graham and pushing against Graham and then all of a sudden he's actually like oh no wait yes this yeah. is real it's it's one of those I can pick on you as much as I want <laughs> to but if somebody else does I'll have them <laughs> absolutely I, I will call you proper. granddad but if anyone says you're not my granddad I'll beat them up <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're clearly family, though, you know. <laughs> Team TARDIS. <laughs> Just fam. Just fam. I didn't like the sound of it. <laughs> so moving on to Mr. Big, not mm. Mr. Trump. I, you know, I was, I, you know, watching this episode as an American, or anyone possibly, because it's the whole world at this point. But, like, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, 2020, <laughs> hotel <laughs> owner. And I just kept exchanging glances every Germophobe. time he opened his mouth. And it's yeah. like, no, 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 I don't like Trump. I'm like, mm, <laughs> yes, you're not Trump. You're totally the antithesis of Trump. Yes. So there is there is a critique that one could make about the fact that uh, Mr. Big, or I think Robertson, I think is his name, um, but it is a bit of a caricature. It was mm-hmm. quite extreme. But I suppose the counter to that is the fact that when reality is as extreme as it is, you have to take that even further in order to, to kind of make a joke out of it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But boy, there was nothing redeemable about this guy. No. Well, it made me think, and again, this may be silly to say, this is not the first character that we've seen of this in Doctor Who. Like, even in New Who, there's been a dozen of the rich character who is, you know, doesn't care and gets away with it for the most part. Like, I mean... Yeah, but is... usually it's the master. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I'm thinking, like, for, and this is just random. So, like, uh, in Voyage of the Damned, is that what it was called? The Tenth Doctor Titanic special. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Or the Poseidon Adventure. You know, there's that rich guy, and he lives, and he's fine, and he survives, and he's like, yeah, I'm good, bye. You know, and everyone else, you know, dies. Um, or, like, the Mark Gaddis is, I know he played many roles, but the, when he was um, in the Tenth Doctor, oh, it's the Tenth Doctor one, where he was the rich guy, you know, made himself younger, and then turned oh, into a bug. Yeah. Yeah, and so, I mean, you know, and then even if, with women, you know, um, the Eleventh Doctor, when he meets Clara for reals, and then and she's the one who's inside the email or inside the Wi-Fi, the rich. Anyway, but I mean, it's always the sort of the, you know, and not, again, it's not like I'm saying you can't use that kind of a character, but they go to that well often. But also having no <coughs> redeemable and that they just keep on going. Uh, yeah. And nothing, there's there, no, and no repercussions. Yeah. So there's two really kind of interesting things in terms of, so like one of my issues with this episode is the plot holes. Um, that are big enough to drive a double decker bus through, um, which is why, which is uh, why I wonder if if perhaps some things hit the cutting room floor because 
there are various bits that we don't get to. But one of those things is that what happens to him? What happens yeah. to the toxic waste dump? What happens to the spiders? Like, yeah. There was well, no answers. Presumably all the spiders in the panic room are just going to eventually die. Right. Well, that, yeah. But, but like the ones in the them. city. Yeah. And there's definitely one still in the next door flat. Yeah. Yes. Held back by garlic and vinegar. Yes, yeah. Uh, it, it was Simon Pegg who tweeted about. <laughs> so that's still there. Good luck sleeping tonight, folks. <laughs> <laughs> also, and not to skip, I don't know. In some ways, Mister Big shooting the spider, and I and I know everyone's like, I can't believe I cried over a dying spider on Twitter. But anyway, Aww. but I'm like, was it really that bad? I mean, what was the doctor's solution to? I mean, we had to kill the spider, right? Yeah. That was going to happen. The sp- and the spider was already dying, and that was, I guess, I know she saying. had her home homemade spider repellent. I'm like, what was that going to do? Yeah, but well, she talks spider- about her to get outside, but what was she going to do then? Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know. And also, you know, the whole idea is that the spider's lives are extended, mm. which is why they're growing right. so big. Mm. But... I feel like you would have noticed that spider at some point before. Before it was the size of a bus, you know, if you it's the size so. of a small car, <laughs> maybe you'd notice it. Interestingly, the question that came for me at that moment when he shot it is that we we have now several times seen somebody doing something the doctor doesn't approve of, mm-hmm. but that actually resolves the plot. Right, <laughs> yeah, shooting the spider. Then last, so I mean, Tim Shaw was was pushed over yeah. the edge, and she wasn't a fan of that. But actually, mm-hmm. what was going to happen to him? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Um, and the time traveling racist dude last week. Right, um, I'm not entirely Ryan sure the just... doctor approved of the fact that Ryan had sent him back to whenever he sent him back to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this week, yeah, Chris North comes and shoots the spider. Which resolves the problem. Yes. Well, Although resolves. Then, then we're still left with the problem with, the corpse. with Mr. Big. Yeah. But yeah, and the corpse, yeah. And the hotel. Yeah. And the, and the toxic the hotel waste is dump. Still there, and yeah. the toxic. And there's still a spider in the flat next door, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> However, the spiders were beautifully rendered. I was very impressed with the graphics. They were. We've come a long way since Planet of the Spiders. Yes, yeah. Hmm. To the point where they were quite creepy, yeah. And I'm not a huge arachnophobe. Yeah. And but uh, it was, they were a little... <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking of people who, you know, on Twitter, like either before they watched or while they're like, oh, I don't want to watch this episode. But I'm like, I don't know. It wasn't anything particularly... And they're just big spiders, which I mean, I guess it's... Yeah, I mean, I get it. If you don't like spiders, you don't like spiders. But like, they weren't like on crawling on someone's... You know, I don't know, it's pretty tame, which is what I'm yeah, trying to say. Yeah, and we don't actually really see them wrapping them up in the cobwebs or, yeah. you know. There were one or two kind of Shelob Lord of the Rings moments, but the fact that they <laughs> didn't come off badly in comparison to that, I think, says so much about how this technology has moved forward. Yes. So it's not all bad. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But as you say, a lot of plot holes and... My biggest concern was what the heck's happening to Mr. Big. And I, and I did like... I, mean, I, I wanted her to lean in and say, you know, he's looking old. I, 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 he's I, looking old. I, I was thinking that because I was like, <laughs> how she's going to derail his 2020 hope yeah, somehow by just doing to. something. She's got to. No, apparently not. Apparently she's good with it. To be fair, I kind of went off on a little side adjunct because I was busy going, well, this man is clearly a Republican. 
2020, <laughs> well, I, Trump is clearly good. Like, you're going to have an incumbent president. Like, anyway. <laughs> maybe he's more like a Michael Avenatti kind of, oh, God. you know, Democrat. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I was just trying to, like, give, like, you hate Trump. And I'm like, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, well, it seems like he's probably a Republican. But, it, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. If he's good with a toxic waste dump built on top of his hotel or built underneath his hotel, mm-hmm. yeah, he's. Yeah, he's he's not a uh, bleeding heart liberal, I yeah, don't think. Yeah. But anyway, that he's a was corporate. Not the builder. impression he gave. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But I did enjoy because I mean Chris Noth to me was not that you know Chris Noth was a big star, but I mean random enough American star. I'm like ah, huh. and I liked him. I mean I thought and I don't you know it's obviously like his character, but I mean like as use of a guest star, I was like ah, oh, you know not a bad turn as a villain. I found it a really big guest star. For the role he had. Yeah, and, and you know, he it was a broad role. I mean, he can do b- more mm. subtle acting, obviously. Yes. So interestingly, sorry, uh, when you were talking about the, the nature of the guest star, one of the other things that struck me is that Jodie McIntyre, the, the character who was the spider expert, mm-hmm. the worst, most 2D character I have seen in an extended period of time. Who is this woman? She was clearly there to advance the plot, and that was about it. And even then, it was only a little bit. Absolutely. And she would appear places I didn't expect to see her. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I don't know why she needed necessarily. I mean, I guess she did need to be at the hotel, but I'm not... Not sure what she also she gave us. And I don't know if this is going to be some internal or unconscious racism or sexism. And if it is, then I will examine that. But I was like, those glasses look like they just put glasses on her to make her look smart. Like no, I think you're entirely right. Science glasses. Where are these science glasses, guest star? <laughs> you're smart. They look like Osgood NHS light. glasses. Yeah, <laughs> it was like Osgood light. Just yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Give her a scarf and off she trot. Yeah, yeah. But I, I also it's interesting to me. And again, this may not be unique to Chris's run of Doctor Who, Chris Chibnall's, but it does sort of give that small play that there's always a small cast. Like, mm-hmm. it's our folks, plus one or plus two. I mean, we had lots of spiders. But this one, I mean, and we had a lot more because we had Yaz's family. I was going to say, but, this but, one but, felt but, a little bit more extended, which may be why we felt like the scientist girl was superfluous. A little bit superfluous, yeah. yeah. Or at least not so given the else. time required to turn her into a valid character. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And again, cutting room floor, maybe? Yeah. And I think that that's... Probably one of the things that I would, and I can't believe I'm going to say this because I talk when we watch the serials of uh, classic Who, I get, I find at least one episode completely superfluous because they drag the storyline out. But I feel like at the moment, Chris Chibnall's almost rushing things through a little bit, and. Because he wants to get it all into one episode, so we don't have any of these arcs, and so, so you said this could have been a two-parter. This could have been maybe not a two-parter, but an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think having a bigger TARDIS team is is going to result in that being an issue. I think mm. because you know, actually, all of the individual fam um, had their little <laughs> moment in the spotlight. So yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and, Which is great, but it does mean that we don't get to explore extra characters. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think that's more or less it, but we'll get some final thoughts or at least some 
favorite moments we haven't talked about. So, Jessica, any last thoughts about arachnids in the UK? No, I'm still not a big fan of spiders. What, what, anything we know more about the doctor? I was sort of struck, and I think I just tweeted about this, but anyway, that she still doesn't know herself. You know, she mm. mentioned it a little bit, and we don't still know her. And, and I don't know if that's a complaint or not. Like, you know, if you told me to describe the 13th doctor, I could give you some adjectives. You know, compassionate, manager, leader, caring, um, passionate, you know, strong believer. But, like, I still don't know her that much. But, again, it's only the fourth episode. I don't know how much did we know 11 or 12 by the yeah, fourth episode. Yeah, that's early in the ball Well, I don't game. know. I think I feel like 12 is grumpy and mean. But, anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, anyway, that's no, 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 nothing about But me. even that was an evolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but anyway, what did you sort of think? Yeah, um, I'm still fairly comfortable with the idea that we don't know the Doctor as well as we might in other places. I think it was always going to be a thing, bringing in all three companions and a completely new Doctor all at once. It was just going to take some time. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, it's about time. Shut your face. (laughs) And because the Doctor is already an established character as the Doctor, we're taking the time to sort of explore the companions first, maybe, Hmm. in more depth than we are the Doctor. And I guess maybe it's one of those things where it can take time. You know, we can get the gnome drip drop. Mm. And... Of course, that's a longevity for the series. Yes. Not just, you know, this, you know, multiple series or whatever. However, I'm saying those translations of words. <laughs> All right. And then you're the guest, Lindsay. So any final thoughts or favorite moments or any other things about arachnids in the UK? So uh, I don't think we caught the Ed Sheeran reference, which was hysterical. <laughs> oh, yes. I love this. People go on he, about him. Is he Ed Sheeran? <laughs> which was, yeah, it was good. Um, I really love that I call people dude now. I did catch up when she said dude. I'm like, she said dude. And then she's like, I could say people. (laughs) Which very much took me back to, you know, bow ties are cool. Fezzes are cool now. Like, you know. It did me too, yeah. Yeah. Um, on a slightly darker note, now. <laughs> um, there was again. You spoke a little bit earlier about the the timing and the way that it feels sometimes like these things are a response. Um, there was actually a bit of a controversy only a few weeks ago in the UK about a backlog of medical waste disposal um, and where it was going and where it was being held before it was being incinerated because there was a problem with one of our uh, third party contractors, which uh, felt a little, a little on the nose when you know these. Uh, yes, these spider carcasses were ending up with general waste. So, well, you know, Chris Noth, of course, was in Law and Order, and Law and Order is known from ripped from the headlines. <laughs> that's, that's it. So there you go. But and Bradley yeah. Walsh so also does uh, Law and Order. Oh, oh yeah, does Law and Order yeah. UK. So are you, you know, keeping an eye under you bed for giant spiders then, just in case? I'm actually okay. If it had been snakes, I would have been less okay. Um, but yeah, no, I've, I've enjoyed it. It's good. Yeah. 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 It's a good, I don't know, I'm trying to do the analysis here of, of like, you know, this is our our monster episode, but more traditional monster. It wasn't like alien monster. Mm. Um, you know, more things that, that scare you, monster. I did, I, and I did think it was a, a weird turn in a, in a good way of like random woman gets fired, which is sort of like a joke, right? That would always be just like a Doctor Who thing. You're fired two seconds, but like, oh no, that's actually a main character or a mm. secondary character that we now care about. It's like, oh, well, that's a little bit 
more meaning to what would usually just be like a one-off of like he just fired his assistant or something. That's the, that shows how rich and powerful he is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Lindsay, before we let you go, where can people find you on the interweb so they can talk spiders with you? <laughs> um, so the best place to find me is on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at LHA underscore again. Um, and I'm also involved with a really lovely uh, group that are doing quite a lot to try and uh, use fandom to create some uh, money for charity and raise some awareness of a variety of things. Um, and you can find me uh, with that group at together underscore fans or hashtag fans together. Awesome. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. It's all nice right. to bring well, something nice into the world as well as uh, all the awful. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'll let you get back to sleep. Thanks for joining <laughs> us. Not at all. Thank you very much for having me. When you close your eyes. I go to the library. Go to the library now. All right. From spiders to something completely different into the TARDIS <laughs> library. <laughs> And so for, uh, we're going to sort of keep on with our tradition of doing um, book, TV, Big Finish, or Big Finish, book, TV, I forget, whatever pattern we follow. Oh, do we into. have a pattern? Well, yeah. We oh, I didn't realize we yeah, had a well, pattern. I just thought we were just doing whatever we felt like. Yeah. I thought it was a little more freeform. No, darling, this is very organized. It's a camp trip. So, yeah, we're going to talk book uh, today. And um, this was part of, as we mentioned earlier, we are our trove of Doctor Who books we bought at the Fayetteville Comic Con. And so I decided to get, we, we sort of split the choices and then had a compromise choice. But I went with a Six Doctor book because I'm not generally a fan of the Six Doctor. And I thought, you know, go towards what you're not generally a fan of and maybe you'll change your mind. So I picked up the book Shadow in the Glass by Stephen Cole and Justin Richards. And this was released 2nd April 2001. And, darling, would you like to read the synopsis of Shadow in the Glass, a six-doctor story? When a squadron of RAF hurricanes shoots down an unidentified aircraft over Turlehampton, the village is immediately evacuated. But why is the village still guarded by troops in 2001? When a television documentary crew breaks through the cordon looking for a story, they find they've recorded more than they've bargained for. Caught up in both a deadly conspiracy and a historical mystery, retired Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart calls upon his old friend the Doctor. Half-glimpsed demons watch from the shadows as the Doctor and the Brigadier travel back in time to discover the last and deadliest secret of the Second World War. So for this book, this is just one that I read, um, and you're currently working on a second Doctor book that I we'll am, get to yes. later. So I guess it's going to be more of a book review for me, not to you. So this was the plot of the book. No. Um, <laughs> I already told you that bit. So would you like me to give you a spoiler-free or a spoilery review? A spoiler-free version, please, because I am hoping to read that at some point. Sure. So I'd say... I was thinking about the... I don't know where to start, really. So this is a story that, to me, seems like it's forcing itself to be a Doctor Who story. That you could take the Doctor out of this, and it'd probably still work. Now, this is with the sixth Doctor. This is with a... And this may uh, make you more attracted to reading this. A companionless, companionless sixth Doctor. Oh, okay. So, so no, no Perry. No Perry. Yeah. Um, but the, in some ways, though, I don't know. Uh, I think that... Maybe that hurts a little bit. Now, of course, you would argue in this book that takes place so that the, 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 I mean, there's many timelines in this book. I guess not surprisingly with Doctor Who, but it's set more or less in when it was released, 2001. Mm. So it's the brigadier as he was at that time. So retired, 
older gentleman. Oh, right. Oh, so okay. he's not quite as, that's sort of a part of the book. You can't really, you know, he's not as, you know, energetic and as, you know, as, as he used to be. I mean, he's still the brigadier we remember, but he's older. And... So the brigadier as seen by Sarah Jane. Yeah, exactly. The Sarah Jane Adventures. Exactly. So yeah, that sort of older, retired brigadier, you know, still with it, but just doesn't, you know. The mind wants to go there, but the body can't. But, right. <laughs> but so I guess he is basically the Six Doctor's companion. And I think a point of the story was that, I believe I'm saying this right, the Brigadier never had a Six Doctor story, or the Six Doctor never had a Brigadier story, as such as it was. And so I guess that's sort of part of that. And I think it is good characterization of the Six Doctor and the Brigadier, because that's when I'm reading a book, whether it's Star Trek or Doctor Who, you know, I think that's something that can always turn me off. I was like, well, that doesn't sound like the character. Mm-hmm. But I, I can hear the Six Doctor annoyingly so um but you know it's true to the character so uh the sixth doctor you know the, the haughtiness the whatever um but and the brigadier i i think in many ways this is more the brigadier story than this than a doctor story okay. which again is not a critique but just going into this i'd say if you're for looking for doctor action this is probably not the greatest book <laughs> you were talking about this with your book which we don't have to talk about right now but it is interesting where the doctor doesn't show up until like a third of the way through the book yes and so yeah. which was um i don't know because there's a lot going on. So I, I guess should I broadly describe what's going on without going into spoilers. So it's a lot about this sort of mystical element that's going on, um, mysticism ceremony that different um, contemporary reporters are discovering. So there's a bunch of different reporters we meet. Um, this sort of ties into World War II, where this is in the summary you read, so I'm not spoiling anything. So uh, during World War II, some British uh, uh, planes shot down this... UFO, for lack of a better word, which fell to the ground into this village. And then, so it's sort of been, what what is this? What's in it? What happened to it? And we just sort of know that years later, it's still there. There's still, the military has um, evacuated that village ever since the 40s and still is guarding it. And so we sort of get to these stories of sort of, as we meet these different people in different circumstances, there are these shadow people that no one can see, like shadow imps is how they're described almost so you see the shadow of the little imp but you don't see it in real life or you know whatever and there's all these ceremonies with sort of nazis yeah again i'm not trying to give too much away but with nazis in the modern era um and you know with the whole keep keeping on the nazi thing um from world war ii and so that's it's a story, and there's a lot of going back in time and forward, or not forward in time, it's all back in time. So they do go back to World War II, both narratively and literally in the story. Yeah, and so for the most part, it's not a bad book. I mean, I, things that I don't like, I don't think are bad writing or bad characterizations. It's just things that I'd be like, hmm, okay, not where I would go with it. And so I think there's a lot of convolutedness in some ways, things you could t- take away and everything would still work. I think the point that I would bring up, without spoiling anything again, is uh, there is a point where the Sixth Doctor is literally leading a Nazi mission (laughs) during World War II. So, I was like, okay, I mean, people are being killed, and he is in command of these Nazi... Hmm. He is, which I, you know, as much as these things can be funny, he is uh, Major Johann Schmidt... Of course, an English name would be John Smith. Yes, of course, of course. So that I did, I did appreciate that turn of fun. But I'm like, oh, he's literally leading Nazis into a mission in Britain. People are being killed. Oh, I think it's a little too far. 
honestly, a little too far mm. in my taste. So does that mean that you don't have a better view of the Sixth Doctor than you did when you started out? Not, not really. I mean, I think, well, it's true to his character. And obviously, I'm not a fan of his character. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I guess whatever am I expecting? You know, you're going to get what you're going to get. And so, but so if you like the Sixth Doctor, well, even if you know what, I'll scratch that. Even if you don't like the Sixth Doctor and you're like me, you could still appreciate this book if you like the Brigadier. Uh, if the Brigadier turns you off 100%, then this is not the book for you. Yeah, if you don't um, like the Sixth Doctor or the Brigadier, yeah, you're gonna be, do not Do you like Nazis? Because <laughs> there's some of those. That's right. I will say Hitler does show up in this book. Of course he does. Yeah, does, it, does Melody Pond come? And, no, no. Oh. Um, and I will this, I'll also introduce this element. A lot of this, a lot of this, is about did Hitler survive? Uh, the age-old... Opportunity for mystery. Yes. So that's about nine, or well, not, not that much. I'd say 60% of the mystery of the book is did Hitler survive? So, and Eva Braun kind of, eh, but more Hitler, you know. So, so a lot of gives you a lot of history if you're into that or if you're not about the um, bunker, mm. you know, about what happened the and final the days of the, yeah, yeah, exactly, and the shooting and the. So, I mean, it gives you a little more history, and the authors do say they did their research and they said, you know, Basically, this is where everything we said was what actually happened, and this is one or two things. Obviously, we changed for narrative, but so I would say in in my my history of reading Doctor Who books, this would be not near the bottom, um, but sort of middling, just because like, eh, it's barely a Doctor Who book. It's just a if you'd taken Doctor Who and just been like, here's just a random book about mysterious Nazis, and there's some sort of time travel element. It'd still be interesting. You just want to be Doctor Who. And it'd yeah. still be fine. Yeah. So anyway, there you go. Okay. Sure. Right. Next week, we talk about another episode. Yes. Next week, we talk about the something conundrum. It's, uh, I don't even know how to say the word. Where is it? Oh, it's Saranga. The Saranga Conundrum. Yeah, that's that's a little highfalutin. I don't it know is. what that means. So if you have any Doctor Who book recommendations, yes. you can tweet me at NC Public Servant. Or you can tweet me at One Phoenix Theater. And we'll await your review. Do you know, you know the name of your book? And what's the book you are currently reading? I am reading Dying in the Sun by John DeBerg Miller. Who's now following you on Twitter, maybe. No, but a guy who's thanked in the... He's an editor or one of yeah, the editors. Yeah, who, who gave a read of it. So uh, John DeBerg Miller has seen that I'm reading it, but appears to be wildly disinterested, which I don't understand because <laughs> I'm fantastic. But never mind. That's the book I'll be reviewing. It's The Second Doctor with Polly and Ben. All right. Until next week, enjoy watching, listening, and reading about the Doctor's adventures throughout time and space. This is BBC Television. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.